What's going on, Basketball Brains community? I hope y'all are having an amazing weekend. Coming to you with this new edition of the Basketball Brains podcast post-trade deadline. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Alright, Basketball Brains community, so last time that we dropped a podcast, a lot of that is null and void now. We talked about the possibility of the Brooklyn Nets winning a championship with James Harden, with Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. As we all know, the trade deadline flipped that around. A lot of notable trades going down. CJ McCollum got shipped from Portland in a deal that I really liked. I like that. They got a they got a good amount back for it. CJ McCollum was not a piece that was gonna win Portland a title ever. So it was honestly a great trade in my opinion. The Trailblazers also went out and got Joe Ingles, which was another great trade. It was surprising to see Utah part ways with him, especially since he was injured. But that's the business of the NBA. And the blockbuster trade, of course, Ben Simmons getting shipped for James Harden, a huge story, James Harden, a huge part of that Brooklyn Big 3, and Ben Simmons was a story since the season began. The details of the trade, the Nets receive Ben Simmons, Andre Drummond, Seth Curry, and two first-rounders, and the 76ers get James Harden and Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap, an older veteran piece that they were looking to move on from anyways. But what this means for Philadelphia, they have a elite duo of James Harden and Joel Embiid. Right now they combine for a little over 50 points in a season that's honestly been James Harden's worst since one of his beginning years of the league scoring-wise. He is not scoring how he used to be. He's facilitating at a much higher level, but not scoring how he used to. I think, though, I really do believe that this will be great for James Harden. He has he has maybe Tyrese Maxey to as well compete with him on the perimeter, but nobody's as good as him on the perimeter in Philadelphia, so he doesn't have the problem that he had in Brooklyn where Kevin Durant and Kyrie are the main show, and James Harden's got to kind of find a way to mesh himself in there. I think that Philadelphia is going to be great for James Harden. I really, I really believe that with the offense being more focused on James Harden, without worrying about Kevin Durant and Kyrie, I I think that obviously he's going to have to share touch with Joel Embiid. However, it's not going to be as Big a deal as it is in Brooklyn. Joel Embiid can get in the paint and he can score back to the basket. James Harden can operate with the ball most of the time the way he works best. So it's really interesting to see how this Philadelphia team is going to mesh once James Harden gets there. I saw reports today, I'm recording this on Saturday, that James Harden has arrived in Philadelphia so that means the next game, I believe, James Harden should be able to play as long as he is not injured. All that being said, obviously a huge trade for Philly. Getting James Harden and Joel Embiid together going to be one of the best duos in the NBA. 
That being said, this trade is going to be even bigger for Brooklyn. It really, truly makes the Nets championship aspirations that much more serious. With this trade, Brooklyn got Andre Drummond, who's going to be huge for them rebounding and rim protecting. Obviously, they needed another guy like that. I don't think Nick Claxton is ready to make that big jump yet. Seth Curry, they're getting quality scoring from. He can come off the bench. He can be a starter. Whatever you need from him. Seth Curry provides quality minutes for the team. Whatever he does, wherever Seth Curry has gone, he has been a quality player. He's going to be great for Brooklyn. He provides more depth on that team. And last, but obviously not least, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons honestly will be in the best situation he's ever been in. He's not the man in Brooklyn. He's not going to have to worry about that. He has Kyrie. He has KD. The eyes aren't going to be on him unless he doesn't play. Obviously, eyes will be still on him, but not as many as they will be on KD and Kyrie. Ben Simmons, a huge player, but this is great for him. He does not have to be a scoring threat all the time. He can play the role he pl- he wanted to play in Philadelphia. He can play the role he wanted to play in Philadelphia. He can facilitate. He can rebound. He can play defense. That is what Ben Simmons wants to do. Ben Simmons always looks to pass. Obviously, we see that in the playoffs when that infamous him passing under the rim. Ben Simmons wants to pass. Who better to pass to than Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving? This trade has made the Brooklyn Nets even deeper, gave them a few draft picks, and it's it's just it's gonna work better for the offense without having ball dominant James Harden and ball dominant Kyrie and ball dominant Kevin Durant. Obviously, Ben Simmons is a point guard, a point forward, if you will. That being said, Ben Simmons can be a four. He can play in the paint. He can play pick and roll. He can have the ball, do a pick and roll with KD. Whatever you need Ben Simmons to do, as long as he's not relied to score 20, 25 points a night, this is going to be the best situation Ben Simmons has ever been in. This is going to make the Nets even better. Honestly, the Nets... Move up more, in my opinion, to be championship contenders than Philadelphia did with this trade. I really believe that Philadelphia got fleeced. I think they gave up way too much. I think that if the Nets and the 76ers play in a seven-game series, I think the Nets win it in six. I think that this trade makes their team that much better, and it honestly thins out Philadelphia that much more. That's all I got to say on this topic. Honestly, all I really wanted to drive home is how much bigger this makes Brooklyn. How much this is really going to impact this team. And like I said, Philadelphia got fleeced. That's the only way to look at it. You get James Harden back and you get Paul Millsap. James Harden playing, again, the worst basketball since early in his career. And Paul Millsap, an older veteran, he's not who he was in Atlanta in the early 2010s. I really I really believe that Brooklyn easily wins this trade. It's not as 
great as everyone thinks it is. James Harden is going to do better in Philadelphia. That being said, Brooklyn wins the trade easily. On to our next topic. Obviously, the trade deadline was great for a lot of teams, bad for others. The Lakers are another team that it was bad for. The Lakers did not make a trade focused on the buyout market. They were unable to trade Russell Westbrook, even though they really, really, from a lot of sources, really wanted to trade Westbrook. They had offers from Boston for Dennis Schroeder. They had offers from the Knicks for Cam Reddish, which, according to a lot of sources, Cam Reddish was really, really high on the Lakers list, but the Lakers didn't feel like it was worth it. The Rockets offered Christian Wood and John Wall, along with a 2027 first-round draft pick for Russ and Horton Tucker. Honestly, I think it's a it would be a good trade. John Wall is a great distributor if he can stay healthy. Christian Wood, he he would be able to help out a lot on that team. Honestly, I think that he'd be able to slide to the four and AD slide to the five. I think that may, would make the trade really. It would make it valuable for the Los Angeles Lakers. That being said, didn't pull the trigger. The Kings offered Buddy Hield. The Magic offered Terrence Ross. None of these trades went through, and the Lakers are barely head above water right now. The Lakers are 26-30 and 30 right now. The reports are that LeBron and Anthony Davis are not on the same page with the front office, and it's only getting worse as we speak as I'm recording this. The Lakers are playing the Golden State Warriors down right now, and they have 26 games left in the season. Excluding including this game being played right now. 18 of those games are against teams over 500. The Lakers against teams over 500 are under 40%. The Lakers against teams over 500 are 7-15 this season. That brings their percentile to 32% roughly. They are not dominating teams under 500 either against teams under 500. I believe they are 19 and 15, just barely over 500 against teams under 500. I think it's safe to say that the Lakers may be play inbound, but I'm not sure if that's a good thing. The Lakers against the teams that are also in the play in the Clippers, the Timberwolves and the Pelicans, the Clippers, the Lakers are one and two against. The Timberwolves, the Lakers are 1-2 against. The Pelicans, they are yet to play. But that being said, I'm not sure if they make the play-in that they will make the playoffs. I believe it's a very, very likely possibility that the Lakers fold in a play-in game and LeBron misses another playoffs the first time since, I believe, 2000 and. 19 and prior to that obviously his younger years with the Cleveland Cavaliers but that being said still a long way to go the Lakers still have a lot of games to play I just don't think that they'll make the playoffs if I'm gonna go on a limb I don't think they'll make the playoffs I think they'll buckle in the play-in and they'll try to rebuild however they can I don't know how they can rebuild though I don't think they're deep enough to move a lot of guys around. I don't think they'll get quality pieces. 
unless they bundle up a bunch of guys and ship them for one guy. I don't think that they have the cap space for it with Russ, with AD, with LeBron, obviously. They said they're focused on a buyout, and I really believe that's the only way they can fix it. So, that being said, the Lakers, one of the more tragic stories of the season, and I would not be surprised to say it's probably going to get worse. Now, with the Lakers barely scraping the bottom of the barrel, let's flip to the head of the Western Conference, the Phoenix Suns, who are not only the best team in the West, the best team in the NBA. Now forget about the Steve Nash, Joe Johnson, Sean Mary, and Amari Stoudemire sons of the early 2000s. Throw them out. They are not as good as this Phoenix team is right now. Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, Mikal Bridges, the whole bench, those guys are legit. And I'm going to give y'all a bold prediction right now. The Phoenix Suns are going to do what that team could never. This Phoenix Suns team is going to win an NBA championship this year. Chris Paul is going to get his first NBA championship. DeAndre Ayton is going to get his first NBA championship. Devin Booker will get his. This is going to be a historic season for the Phoenix Suns. Now I got a bunch of things to back up why I truly believe that the Phoenix Suns are not only the best team in the NBA statistically, but why they're the best team in the NBA on the court as well. I got a bunch of things to throw at y'all, so stay with me. The Phoenix Suns at home are 23 and 5. On the road, they don't get rattled, 22 and 5. Teams over 500, they dominate, 25 and 6. Teams under 500, the same story, 20 and 4. Teams in the Western Conference, 26 and 7. Teams in the East, 19 and 3. Now, this all sounds statistically great, but how are they going to win a championship? Well, not only did they make it to the finals last year and fall short, obviously, to the Milwaukee Bucks, they kept their same team. The team got better, as we talked about on the last podcast. This team has leaders like Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, playing the best basketball of their career. CP3 is having a career year. He's 38 years old, I believe, and leading the league in assists. Devin Booker can score with the best of them. DeAndre Ayton getting better, rebounding, protecting the paint, scoring on the inside. Macau Bridges getting better. The bench got deeper. They are more confident, more consistent. Their team chemistry is up and the momentum is on their side. They just blew out the Milwaukee Bucks not too long ago, 131 to 107. So if you think that, just like I said on the podcast, that Milwaukee gets to the finals with them, if the season ended today and Milwaukee got there, oh, this isn't the same Phoenix team. This Phoenix team is ready to handle those teams. And I mean that for the Phoenix Suns. When they play the Milwaukee Bucks, when they play the Brooklyn Nets, if they play the Chicago Bulls, if they play the Lakers, the Warriors, they are geared to beat anybody. They are finally tuned for this moment. The only knock against them, you can say they are 5-4 and four against divisional teams, which includes the Warriors, the Lakers, the Kings, and as well, the Clippers. 
The Clippers aren't going to be a problem for the Phoenix Suns. The Lakers probably won't even make the playoffs. If we're being honest, just like I said in the last segment, they probably will get bumped out in the play-in. If they see the Kings, who would have to get to the play-in also and get through the play-in into the playoffs, which they won't do, they would dismantle them. The Warriors are the biggest threat to the Phoenix Suns. And as much as I love Golden State, I don't think Golden State can take out this Phoenix team. I think this Phoenix team is geared to beat anybody in the league. No matter if you have Steph Curry and Clay, if you have KD and Kyrie, it doesn't matter. This is the best team in the NBA, and they are going to make history this year. Again, 5-4 and four against divisional teams, but when they get to the playoffs, it's going to be completely different. When Phoenix gets to the playoffs, watch them hit another gear. As long as everyone stays healthy, I guarantee you, like Charles Barkley says, I guarantee that Phoenix walks away this season with an NBA title, the first in their franchise's history, and with this team going down in the record books. So with all that said, that is this edition of the Basketball Brains Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. Have a great weekend. Have a great week. And until next time, stay safe, stay blessed.